Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Amy Oldfield, who is a fitness and nutrition coach with 11 years in the industry. She's passionate about fat loss and strength training for women over 30. Through her online program, The Female Formula, she helps women lose weight, tone up, and get their energy back. Her clients uncover what they need at each phase of life to get their hormones and metabolism working for them. From menstruating to perimenopause to postmenopause, she's got you covered. Amy's been overweight, underweight, and everywhere in between. She's had multiple eating disorders and hormone imbalances, which led her to losing her period. She's been there and done it and made all of the mistakes so that other women like you don't have to. How are you going today, Amy? Hey, Laurie. Yes, I'm awesome. Thanks. Really excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you. And it's so refreshing to hear an English accent. Um, Last time I was in England was... August and it's just so lovely to hear another English accent on the line. <laughs> oh, well, thank my you. accent isn't English, obviously, but you know, it's been a while since I've had someone English on the podcast. Yeah, well, I'm. Um, it's a pleasure to be uh, an English person on your podcast. Fabulous, <laughs> all of the accents. Anyways, um, I'm going to start this podcast the same way that I start every podcast. Um, I let you know before we started, I've stalked your socials and I love that you talk about the hormone tracking and, you know, you're a nutrition and fitness coach, but you talk about like hormone balancing and all of that. And I know that for everyone, when you get into the specific trade, there's usually some sort of backstory. There's usually that some sort of reason why you want to serve people in this way. So can you tell me the context that I need to know about your journey to know why you help people in the way that you do today? Yeah, of course. That's so true, isn't it? Everyone has the backstory. Um, And usually if you're a coach of any kind, it's because you've made all the mistakes, like you've learned all the lessons um, and now you want to share, don't you? And stop other Mm. people from making the same mistakes. And that's very much where I'm coming from. So I was in the corporate world um, way back and I didn't ever feel like that was what I was destined to do. Um, so I, I left, I started my own business as a um, health and fitness trainer because I just became so inspired by how great I felt when I was looking after myself um, and how strong I was getting and how I was loving all this kind of new food that I was uh, eating. So I've been in the uh, health and fitness industry for 11 years um, and I've learned a lot along the way. I mean, prior to getting into my own health and fitness journey, I was very overweight as a child. Uh, I got bullied a lot at school Um, Then I swung the other way and I was very underweight. So like I've done both ends of the spectrum, was really unhappy at both ends. And when I got into health and fitness, I sort of felt like I'd I'd found my calling. I'd found myself. I finally felt really confident in my body, really strong and empowered. So the journey started off really positively. 
Um, and the deeper I got into health and fitness, things then started to unravel um, and spiral down a dark path. Um, I, I got so into my weight training that I entered a bodybuilding competition. I think a lot of girls that start off in the fitness industry find themselves competing at some point because you're like, hey, like, isn't this so cool the way I can just manipulate my body and make mm. it look however I want to? Like, it's quite fascinating how you can do that. Um, and although it was a really fun chapter of my life, it really affected my relationship with food again so it was like all of those things from my childhood sort of resurfaced I ended up with binge eating disorder and bulimia after that Mm. it sort of coincided with a very stressful part of my career where I'd actually decided to uh, go to the next level and open up my own fitness studio so like there was a lot to manage in the business Um, Mm. And it was just, it was too much for my brain to handle. Um, And I ended up relying on food to release stress and then feeling like I had to then get all the food up again so that I didn't put on weight because I wanted to look like a fit personal trainer. And I'd got myself into quite the state. So there was like this secret, unhealthy relationship with food going on. Um, and a lot of hormonal chaos to the point where my body was so stressed out. I lost my menstrual cycle oh um, and for, for a long, long time. I mean, I am 38 now and I've only really had a healthy menstrual cycle for the last two years. Honestly, it's taken me a long time to to sort that out. Um, But now I am just so fascinated by female hormones, female metabolism, and just how it is so important for women to treat their bodies really well, um, build a really good relationship with food, exercise in moderation, eat in moderation, and just avoid all of these extreme type behaviors and really discover something that feels enjoyable and sustainable. and kind of find peace with your body in, you know, whatever, whatever shape that is. Mm. What a story, Amy, you've, you've been on both sides of the spectrum there, you know, of like not prioritizing fitness to going so deep into it and like losing yourself on that side of the spectrum to finding that equilibrium. Like that must've been quite the journey for you. It's kind of crazy when you look back at it in this way because like the the story that I've just shared like that spans my entire life like wow (laughs) that started when I was age uh 10 I guess um and now I'm in my late 30s so when you're kind of going through it year on year and you're dealing with everything in the moment it doesn't kind of feel that dramatic but it's then when you look back on it you're like wow, that's quite a lot for one person, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, 
looking back in general, even, even from a gratitude practice, like looking back and being like, holy, holy moly, I've achieved so bloody much and such yeah. a, you know, in three years when we're still beating ourselves up or vice versa, you're happy with where you are. And you're like, holy shit, look at all the stuff I had to go through, which, you know, you explaining that story. I'm like, wow, I see. I, I can't wait to dive into both spectrums um, to, you know, to help people see that, like, whether you're on that crazy fit side or, you know, the side where you you are wanting to embody habit, habits that are going to serve you, like either way, they can be problems with both. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and have... women are so drawn to the extremes, aren't they? Like the mm. sexy extremes. Um, and one thing that I see quite a bit with the women that I work with is the kind of all or nothing behaviors as well, like just constantly swinging both ways and never really finding that happy medium. Yeah. Where do you think those all or nothing behaviors come from? I think the health and fitness industry has got quite a lot to answer for. (laughs) A hundred percent. Lose 20 pounds and 20 pounds in one month. If you take the shake. (laughs) Yeah. Like in a way I love the health and fitness industry. Um, And in a way I hate it. And I'm almost embarrassed to be part of it because I think um, like perhaps when people first hear, Oh, you're a nutrition coach or you're a personal trainer or whatever. They just imagine that you are all about hardcore diets or some kind of like drill sergeant, you know, boot camp, like kill yourself type training. And, and that's the way to be. Um, but unfortunately these are the things that sell, right? It's, it's the yeah. extremes that sell. It's the, the quick body transformations. When you see these pictures online of the before and afters and it's like, wow, how do I get that? Um, and all these TV shows and of course, social media has perpetuated all of that so much more now as well. Um, so the health and fitness industry just has so much to to answer for in terms of like where this all or nothing behavior has come from. And I also feel like the kind of women who have these all or nothing behaviors, like they're, they're kind of like me in that they're very type A, they're very mm-hmm. motivated, very driven, like they want results, they'll do all the things, but they tend to have perfectionist type uh, characteristics and behaviors. So of course, when it comes to health and fitness, being perfect is kind of the worst thing you can try and do because you're setting yourself up for failure because you don't need to be perfect and you can't be because being perfect is impossible and so that just becomes super stressful so Mm. when you can't then be perfect and you've quote unquote fallen off the wagon or you're (laughs) off track or you know whatever phrase you want to use um you're just gonna go oh fuck it I'm done I'm just gonna go and eat all the things like ditch the exercise routine it doesn't work can't be bothered too much uh fall out of the routine and then you know pick up something else in a, in a couple months time. And it's just exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. And that is just so common as well. And even to what you spoke to earlier, like what really healed you was that stress management side of things and balancing out your hormones and being perfectionistic is stressful. Like yeah. it's stressful because you're holding your, 
A, holding yourself to a like impossible standard, but you're also not learning. Like if you're perfect all the yeah. time, like where's the opportunity for growth? Where's the opportunity for learning? Um, yeah. And it's often, often what helps you. So it's so funny because as you were speaking earlier about the fitness industry, um, you know, the shakes, the weight loss pills they sell because they're promising low effort for high reward. And even if they do work, they work for a certain amount of time, but they're not sustainable, you know, and the same I think goes for a fitness business. Like if you are, you know, selling a program that's 20 pounds, lose 20 pounds in four weeks or whatever, like, I don't think that business model is sustainable as well. Like you may not get the views, you may not it may take a bit longer, but it's a more sustainable business. And I see some influences like that. Um, ben Ben Carpenter, he's an English bloke and his wife, um, I forget her name, but they like post really, really relatable content. Um, that's like so good. And it's like, those are the people that do really well over time. And I think anyone listening can relate that to their fitness journey as well. It's like, if I do like the micro habits now, if I focus on my stress management now, like I'm going to have the growth for, for the long term, but it's quite the mindset switch switch to get there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I talk to a lot of my clients about like the three pillars that are the basis of my program. And my second pillar is always long-term strategy. Mm. Like I say to everybody, like, the reason you're coming to me is probably because you've either done all the quick fixes in the past or you're now in some kind of weird, like quasi perpetual diet mode, but actually not getting any results. And we have to be in it for the long term, which often means taking time to implement those little habits really slowly and making sure they stick and doing things which perhaps you know you might not see the scale move for quite a while and that's okay because we might actually be working on a lot of the foundational stuff like let's get your stress management in place and let's work on sorting your sleep routine out and all of these other things that are just so critical to health that make the whole weight loss journey after that much much easier once you've actually got your your body into balance uh, your hormones are happy your brain is happy your mood is better so sometimes we kind of have to take a few steps back to take a few steps forward and not just go in all guns blazing um and expecting this like crazy 12 week transformation where you've lost three stone or um, 20 kilos, like whichever metric you work in. I always think back to that program. I don't know if they did um, an Australian version. Maybe they did. You know, The Biggest Loser. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They yeah. did do an Australian version. Yeah. Yeah. And like the transformations are crazy, aren't they? Insane. Like, they take really big people they get them to absolutely bust their balls for a few weeks and they do look incredible at the end. And it's really inspiring. And it makes you think like, Oh God, these people, they're just normal people and and look what they can achieve. But actually, if you then look up those people three years later, five years later, 10 years later, most of them, if not all of them, are bigger than when they first went on the show. And if that Mm -hmm. isn't a beautiful example of why we should not do hardcore diets, I don't know what is. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, A, a sustainability thing. And I love that you bring this up, but also it's the environment. If you're trying to lose weight in a completely different environment to your day-to-day life, yeah. you're not managing your stresses at all. They have all day to yeah. commit to their health and fitness. If everyone had all day to commit to their health and fitness and was in a different environment, would you lose weight? Or is it the stresses that are stopping you from exercising, stopping you from meal prepping? So it's so important to be in your environment and make those changes because, um, yeah, it's it's also the same for rehab. You know, celebrities or anyone that goes away and does rehab and then comes back and relapse, it's like you're putting them in the same environment when they come back. Um, mm. Environment is huge. Mm. Yeah, you have to learn how to manage your own environment, don't you? So important. Mm, definitely. I'm really curious about some of your past because you've got quite a diverse past. Um, I've noticed some like specific things about clients who were overweight children and experienced bullying. Can you explain what it was like to be an overweight child growing up? I would say I was, I had a happy childhood overall like when I think back to being a kid it was happy um but I was the biggest kid in my school uh, it always feels like it wasn't me like when I think back it feels like it was another person um there were like the things that stick in my mind are like being pushed around in the playground and um, there was this show in the 90s in in uh, UK. Uh, it was on Saturday night. Like everyone my age would have watched it on a Saturday night. But anyway, there, it's called Noel's House Party. And there was this character. It was like a big dress up guy. He was called Mr. Blobby. So um, I used to get called Mrs. Blobby in the playground. And all the kids nice. thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, and then I, I have little flashbacks of back in the day when we actually used to have books at school. I know your kids are on like iPads and laptops now. Um, I, one of the kids' jobs in the morning would be to go around and hand out all the kids' books. And so they would never put my book on my desk and be like, oh, Amy, there's your book. Like they'd come up with some horrible name like, oh, fatty or chunky or something like, here's your book. And it's those two things that really stick in my mind. Um, But yeah, it almost feels like it was a different person. But when I do look back, it it was a happy childhood. Like it definitely could have been a lot worse. (laughs) How did that affect you with your training as an adult? Like, do you feel like there was any correlation between who you were back then and like your training journey? Or um, is there not really that much of a correlation? I feel like the biggest impact on my adult life was probably the period of time I went through where I was underweight. Mm. And although I wasn't uh, like medically diagnosed as being anorexic, I would definitely say that I was. I, I ticked all of the boxes. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, it didn't get to the point where I needed to be hospitalized or anything like that. I actually recovered from it pretty quickly um just with the support of my family that's awesome um but I think that probably the being the underweight more than being the overweight has actually impacted my body confidence more growing up um and that kind of weird body dysmorphia 
and always feeling like you're a lot bigger than you actually are. Mm. Like that's definitely carried into my adult life. But I can honestly say that one of the the biggest things that helped me was getting into strength training. And I say this to women all the time, like one of the biggest things you can do for your self-confidence is to get really bloody strong, um, have the confidence to go into the gym, like not care about anyone else, just lift your weights, lift heavy, get strong. It's going to make you feel awesome. It's going to make you strong mentally, physically, outside of the gym, not just in the gym. And that has been a real game changer for me. And people always say to me, like given the uh, your past, Amy, and like how unconfident you were and being overweight and underweight, like how are you so confident now? And when I really think about it, I really do feel like it's all time to strength training. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal-Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal-Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. And I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought up like that a really key benefit that you've had from strength training has been confidence. And that's not an aesthetic goal. That's an, a mental goal. And I truly believe that we need more than just the aesthetic goal because at what's true with your story and what I saw from working at a bodybuilding gym is that bodybuilders aren't necessarily any more mentally healthy. Yes. They've got the resilience to eat the chicken, rice and broccoli. Yes. They've got the resilience to do a heavy workout, but they still have body dysmorphia problems. They've still got these other problems related to their self-confidence and how they feel about themselves. I know that you do a lot of strength training. So can you share with the audience, maybe people that haven't gotten started with strength training yet? What are some other key benefits you see to strength training that might help people get into it? Yeah, gosh, there's so many reasons why women need to get into strength training. So it really is one of the best things you can do to future-proof your body. So it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, like you just got to start now. (laughs) And if you've already started, then please don't stop. It's so good for balancing your hormones, um, helping you manage your blood sugar levels, building your bone density. And one of the things that women uh, perhaps don't realize is that if you're not actively uh, 
doing exercise which tells your body to hold on to muscle so your 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 strength training then year on year after the age of 30 your muscle mass starts to decline so that's why we we see women in their 40s 50s and 60s kind of getting um frail or injured or they're gaining weight rapidly and they have no idea why it's often because they've lost a lot of their muscle and your muscle is like your metabolic fire that's what keeps you burning a lot of energy so it really does future proof your body and i think um you can probably look up so many different studies that will tell you people who consistently weight train they live longer and if mm-hmm. that isn't the best reason to weight train then i don't know what is um i i definitely want to be lifting weights until i'm 80 90 like as long as possible I literally can't imagine myself not weight training Mm. and I love to see it as well like I saw this video the other day it was a lady she was like 88 and she had an she was a power lifter and she had an intruder come into her home she picked up the table and threw it at the (laughs) intruder and had to because she knew how to lift weights she's like okay I'm I'm small I'm 88 this dude's way bigger than me threw the table at him and had to call the ambulance on him um, at 88 years old and you know I don't want intruders coming into your house at 88 years old but how cool of a story is that that she was strong yeah. enough to protect herself at an eight, that sort of age yeah good motivation. Cool. what a powerhouse obviously that's a really extreme example yeah, and I hope that doesn't extreme. happen to many people but <laughs> there's other more common instances of life where like you're gonna need some strength you know yes yeah, wanting like, to pick keep, up the, keep up with your kids grand- and yeah, exactly. yeah yeah like all of that yeah I love that um I'm also really curious about the hormones like you mentioned that strength training can help can help with your um you know blood sugar and and that sort of stuff so you have a lot of expertise in this area and I think hormones are underrated in the fitness industry and I think it's because they're so bloody hard to understand yeah. um yeah. that's why men and even men male rice um rice mice are used more in studies because they have more consistent hormone levels so can you share with us some of your like top tips to help people with blood sugar hormones all of that juicy stuff that's gonna help people for the long term Mm, sure so your hormones as a woman obviously change a lot throughout your life you know we have puberty we have um regular cycles then we have pregnancies perimenopause postmenopause and at every phase like your hormones are always shifting um and i'm using the word hormones referring to the female reproductive hormones right now like right. estrogen and and progesterone um because actually there's loads of hormones in your body that do all sorts of things. Um, So when I think about how you can best support female hormones in terms of blood sugar, for women who have a menstrual cycle, you've got two distinct halves of the cycle. So first half is your follicular cycle. That's the first day of bleeding to ovulation. And then the second half is your luteal phase. So ovulation through to the day before your next period. And many women will understand this, that when they're in the second half of their 
cycle in the luteal phase, you have more hunger, more sugar cravings, like general cravings for like carbs and junk food. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is because that that rise in progesterone in that half of your cycle, it causes more unstable blood sugar levels. Right. So I really encourage my menstruating clients to manage their blood sugars in that part of their cycle um, much more um, diligently by increasing their protein levels, um, having a little bit like less carbohydrates in favor of more fat. So they're really satiated. And so that part of a woman's cycle is is the trickiest bit to manage when it comes to blood sugars. Um, But walking and weight training really help every person to manage their blood sugars better because it increases our body's um, sensitivity to the hormone insulin Um, and the more muscle we have muscle acts like a like a sponge to suck up the the blood sugars in our body um, and use them for, for energy again rather than storing them as fat and then like as we start to um, lose our menstruating years and move into menopause, things kind of get a bit trickier again um, and blood sugars can be even harder to manage. And this is where stress management becomes so, so critical. And the kind of things that women might do at this point um, to achieve fat loss is to like eat less and less and exercise more and more because they're like, why, why am I gaining weight? I haven't changed anything. I'm not doing anything differently. Why can I not repeat the same diets I did in my twenties and get the same result now? And this mm. is all because your hormones have shifted and um, you can't manage your blood sugar levels more effectively. So now because of stress hormones and poor blood sugar management, you can't sleep and you have um, energy slumps in the afternoon and mood swings and like tummy fat that wasn't there before. And weight training is one of the best things you can do to manage those blood sugar levels. Uh, lots of gentle walking um, and eat plenty of protein at that point um, in your kind of menopausal years. Like you can't skimp on any of those if you want to feel energetic and like maintain a lean body and and sleep well and just look after your overall health. Wow, those are there were so many really really good tips there, and I think I'd love to focus on that luteal phase because it sounds like that luteal phase requires similar habits to when you go through menopause and Correct, yeah. I'll speak for myself here during my little luteal phase I'm in it right now like all I want is bread brownies yeah. like all of the things because I, I you know it's just the hormones and the blood sugar and the way you explained it is so so amazing two questions why is having more protein and having more fats important during that phase Next question, why should somebody do slow work walking over cardio? Mm. So the end of your luteal phase, you're right, it's, it's like a mini menopause. So if you're not in menopause yet and you want to know what it feels like, it might be a bit like when you're in the last week of your cycle. Um, so like the sooner you start working on balancing your hormones and improving your health, like the better you are setting yourself up for a smooth transition. Um, so at that point in your cycle where, um, 
your, let's say, like a week out from your period, at this point, estrogen's fallen off, progesterone's fallen off. So you're overall quite low on those hormones. Um, and this has an impact on your brain hormones, neurotransmitters, uh, dopamine and serotonin. So when those kind of go away, we end up craving more highly palatable foods. Mm. And protein basically shuts that down. So protein gives our brain what we need uh, in order to feel satisfied. It's very satiating. Um, It's the most satiating macro of the three of protein, fat and carb. Um, And so we probably need to eat a little bit more of it at that point to to balance blood sugars and satiate us. Um, And I say like favor fat a little bit more over carb at that point, just because we aren't able to manage our blood sugars as well. Um, You can just stabilize them more easily if you have um, a little switch in your in your ratio of carb and fat. So when I'm setting up macros for my menstruating clients in their follicular phase, I'll give them more carb and less fat. And then we switch on its head in the luteal phase and we increase fats and lower carbs. Um, And also when you're thinking about the kind of exercise that's going to work really well for you in your luteal phase, it's not going to be as intense. And therefore, you're not going to need as many carbs to fuel that activity either. Mm. Um, So that's kind of a little cycle syncing strategy. Um, and then I forget your second question. What else did you ask about? I was curious about the walking. You kind of oh, answered yes. it. I, I yeah. think that where it comes from is that I know a lot of people really love cardio. So they might've been doing that eat less, move more thing mm. and fallen in love with running or something. So how does someone still get in there running? If you're saying that, you know, through menopause and, and luteal that they should be walking more. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, although I've banged on about how much I love strength training, walking <laughs> is actually my favorite exercise for women. So, um, so if, you, if you can't strength train for whatever reason or you don't want to, um, then just make sure that you're walking because it's so wonderful for your stress hormones. Basically, when I talk about female specific strategies, <laughs> it pretty much all comes back to managing stress. Mm. We are just way more stress sensitive creatures than men. And so everything we do needs to take stress management into consideration. And walking is one of the most accessible, easiest, most enjoyable ways to manage stress. Like it's so nice to go out for a walk and just kind of slow down and get in nature if you can and focus on your breathing. Um, Or it might be a really nice time for you to actually like listen to some music or listen to an audio book or a podcast. And so there's so many different ways that you can turn walking into a stress reducing activity Mm. whilst also just getting in more um, more movement, which, of course, is going to help manage your blood sugars um, and manage your weight as well. It's just enjoyable movement that we don't really tend to think of as structured exercise. Yeah. And so I would prefer um, someone did walking over running or some kind of cardio or high intensity training for that stress management reason. Mm. So 
when we're uh, doing cardio, uh, one of our stress hormones, cortisol, like it rises pretty high. And cortisol is a very uh, catabolic hormone, which means it breaks down tissue. So if you're trying to create like a strong, lean physique that has muscle tone, cardio is sending your body the opposite signal. It's telling your body to become more energy efficient. And so it offloads muscle. It gets rid of muscle to make you lighter and more efficient. And so you burn less energy. So the more cardio you do, the more efficient your body becomes at it every time you do it. So mm. let's say you're trying to run to lose weight. And the first time you go on a 30 minute run, you might burn 300 calories. Well, if you keep doing that same 30 minute run for six months, every time you do it, you'll burn less calories. And so six months later, that same run, you might only burn 150. Mm. So you've got to do more and more and more and more uh, to get the same effect. But at the same time, you're also then increasing your stress hormones, which is then going to be impacting the amount of estrogen and progesterone your body can produce, which are vital for female health. You're not going to be building that muscle that is like our metabolic fire. And so if if I'm speaking to a woman who's like, but Amy, I love my cardio. It makes me feel yeah. so good. I love being outside. I'm like, that's cool. Let's just not go crazy on it. Let's make yeah. sure we're doing some strength training. Um, do as much cardio as you need to, to kind of stay sane. Um, but a lot of women are like, oh, thank you, Amy, for telling me I don't have to do cardio. That's like the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Yes. So I, I don't have to run. This is great news. <laughs> and I think that's so important as well is bio bio individuality. You know, everyone's individual and everyone has like different needs. And some people listening to this will say, hey, I really love running. You know, maybe it's running twice a week or something or running during that follicular phase and, and yeah. ovulation phase, but not so much in the luteal phase. Because some people are going to listen to this and love running and love all of the cardio sort of stuff and need to integrate the strength. Other people will have a sigh of relief and be like, sweet, walks and strength training sounds fabulous. Yeah. yeah. And it all comes down to your goals at the end of the day. Like if you want to go and do triathlon, uh, which I used to do in the past, or you want to do like a 10K or half marathon or whatever, like, yes, you are going to have to do a hell of a lot of cardio and that's fine. Um, if your goal is just to be fit, healthy, strong, and lean, then strength training and walking is going to get you there quicker and in a more sustainable way. So it's like, let's make sure that we're doing the right thing for the right goal as for well. Goals, for yeah. sure. I'm really curious. So the step trainers really popular these days. So um, those stepping machines. So yeah. for those in your opinion, like what's cardio and what isn't? So is that cardio too? Like is cardio, yeah, define that a little bit for people listening. Yeah, I just find those those step machines hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's I enjoy people watching. Like some people do it when they're on their phone. I'm yeah. like, I'm just waiting for them to trip. I've seen like <laughs> little trips sometimes. I don't want them to trip, but I'm expecting it. <laughs> yeah, I, like I mean... 
They make me feel good. Yeah, I've never been on one. Um, I can't imagine myself going on one. I kind of cringe at the thought of it, but that's just me. Um, yeah, like that that's cardio. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I think like if, you know, I live in the UK, it rains a lot and it's dark for a lot of the year. So if you can't get out and do your walks, but actually to like be on your treadmill or your stepper at home is literally the only way like you can get some movement in, then then crack on. (laughs) Because generally the problem is that um, most people are too sedentary. Um, And I guess I need to be careful like with who I'm talking to because you, you have so many people who are completely sedentary and need to be encouraged to get on the treadmill or go out and walk or get on the stepper and like that would be great for them but for the the woman who is already the cardio bunny like she's already going to five classes a week and then she's doing running and she's doing swimming and her life's super stressful she's not sleeping properly she's running around after the kids like the last thing that her body needs is like another cardio activity so like you said before it is just so specific to the the woman and her scenario like for me I used to do a lot of um crossfit um hit training metabolic conditioning and although I loved it I realized that my body did not like it like I had a lot of hormone tests once I realized Mm -hmm. that I didn't have a menstrual cycle and I was just doing too much it didn't actually feel like it was too much. That was the thing. Like mm. sometimes I'd only be doing 20 minutes of exercise a day, but it was really intense and it was just too much for my body. So mm. it really is learning like what your body can tolerate and my body can't tolerate a lot of stress. And that's just what, what I've learned over the years from like listening to my body, using my, my period, like, uh, a fifth vital sign of my health like that's Mm. that's what gynecologists call it now we can learn a lot from what our cycle is telling us Um, and it's just so dependent from woman to woman hey holistic fitness fam a quick message from one of our sponsors ned as you all know i recommend good nutrition movement and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's products are... All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. 
I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. I, that, that begs the question, though, for you, it was losing your period and working through like that menst- menstrual cycle to know that you needed to take the pedal off the gas. Mm. But that's not the symptom for everyone. Do you Are you aware of any other symptoms that might help somebody listening realize that hey, you know what, I am probably doing too much and I need to focus on walking and strength training. Yeah, yeah. So it could be that you've got weight gain that is just seemingly come out of nowhere. So perhaps you feel like you're working harder than ever, but you're actually gaining weight, like getting the opposite result, like that would be a red flag. Or maybe now you are not sleeping properly, like waking up in the middle of the night, like that's a sign of uh, imbalanced blood sugars and um, uh, high stress. It could be that you now have um, an autoimmune condition. You could have symptoms of low thyroid. Um, So a lot of women that I see are like entering their menopausal years um, but also have low thyroid as well. And like the symptoms can kind of overlap and it's really common for that to happen at the same time. And that really is a stress response. And like I said before, like when women start to enter the menopausal phase of life and their body shape is changing in a way they don't like, and they're like, I'm just going to eat less and I'm going to work out more to kind of get rid of this body fat, mm. but then feel worse as a result can often stress out their bodies and their adrenals so much that now their menopausal symptoms are worse and now they have low thyroid as well. So it can absolutely surface in different ways with different people. Um, But the earlier you you get on it, the better. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, definitely. After, you know, hearing you speak about, um, you know, when you turn 30 and unless you do continuously strength train that, you know, muscle keeps on breaking down. So whether it's Mm. like physical health, hormonal health, mental health, like the earlier we start to do the work, the easier our life is set up for success. Um, We are coming to an end, but it was a question I thought about earlier when you were mentioning that um, breaking down the muscle, but I obviously got distracted and asked you something else. Um, Is it ever too late? Like, is it ever too late to get fitter, get healthier, you know, someone listening, they're 55, they've, they've gone through menopause or they're in menopause They they know that they don't have much muscle. Like when is it too late? If at all? Yeah, literally never, never too late. Like I've got women in my program that are in their mid to late fifties and they're building muscle. Like they're losing weight. They're now sleeping better. They have more energy than ever because like people are living so much longer these days, right? Um, Quite likely, most of us are going to live to we're 100. So 
if we're in our 50s, hey, you're only halfway. <laughs> yeah, I love There's that. There's a lot of life to live. There. Yeah. It, have you seen on Instagram that uh, I think her name's Joan? Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. How good. And didn't she start at 73 and she lost all that weight? Um, yeah, and she's, yeah, she's absolutely ripped. Yeah. I'd be quite happy with her body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it just goes to show that um, it's never too late. I've got a you know similar story with my grandma. She and all she's done is started walking every single day. Yeah. Walking. And what she achieved. I don't know the specific numbers, but her doctor told her to start focusing on losing weight a little bit. She's gone down at least two or three dress sizes. She's focused more on how how her clothes are feeling rather than the specific pounds on the scale, but she looks great, but I can't, I can't put a catchy headline on how much she's lost, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. But enough for everyone to notice, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We've spoken about a lot today, Amy. We've spoken about strength training, hormones, menstrual cycles, female fat loss, um, spoken a bit about your journey as well. Before we move to the final question, is there anything you wanted to share that you haven't yet shared with the audience today? Oh, great question. Um, I have a, a free guide if the listeners would like to find that a little bit more about the kinds of female-specific strategies that I've been talking about. So um, it's my female-centered fat loss guide. Um, And if anyone wants to um, access that guide, then we can just drop a link in the uh, the show notes. And if anyone wants to reach out to me and just have a conversation, like I definitely invite that too. Happy to talk to anyone. That's a good segue to just ask how everyone can get in touch with you before we move to the final question. So how can we all get in touch with you, download your free guide and and learn more about your work? Yeah, so I hang out quite a bit on Facebook and Instagram. So uh, on Facebook, just Amy Oldfield. Uh, On Instagram, Amy Body Theory. Um, Drop me a message, say hi. Let me know what's going on with you. Um, I'm sure I've got some... um, free resources I can send you to kind of help you out with whatever it is that you are going through. So reach out to me there. Amazing. I'm sure so many people will want to learn more about what you do because it's really awesome and refreshing to have somebody who's focused on nutrition and fitness. That's actually also addressing the hormone imbalances and um, finding ways to like get your goals without going crazy. Yeah. It's nice to speak to people who are on the same page. For sure. So the final question, I've recently changed it. So I know that you've uh, recently listened to my podcast. So I'm sorry to throw you a curveball, um, but it's very similar. The final question is your 70 year old self. So we're fasting forward a few decades. Yeah. What would your older self say to you right now? Yeah. My older self would, would tell me, um, how proud she is of me, um, how I'm strong, I'm resilient, I'm brave and, and I can do anything I want and just how proud she is of everything that I've done in my life. I love that. A nice lesson for everyone to be a little bit more grateful for ourselves and to be our biggest hype person. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining the show. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. I've especially learned a lot about that, uh, blood blood sugar levels specifically. So thanks so much um, for sharing all of your expertise with myself and with the audience.
Yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me. No worries. And for everyone listening, whether you're in the car, in the shower, cleaning the house, whatever you're up to today, thanks for tuning in to the Holistic Fitness Podcast. Eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.